Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been excited to talk about Eric's new book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. This book is scheduled for release in September, and we're wanting to give you, our listeners, a bit of a preview of what they can find in this book. In yesterday's show, I cited from the foreword to the book. The foreword was written by Micah Wilder. He is with Adams Road Ministries. You've probably heard of Adams Road Band. They go around the country. They are a group of young people, many of whom were missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Micah was saved on his mission when he was a missionary in the state of Florida. But Micah wrote some very compelling words in his foreword to the book, and I want to repeat some of what I said yesterday about this, because it's going to introduce us to what we're going to talk about today. But Micah writes this, and you can find it on page 10 of Introducing Christianity to Mormons. All too often, he says, Christians have the perception that Mormons, among others, are unreachable. It's easy to assume they are too entrenched into the religious beliefs, and this creates in some people a hesitancy to share the gospel with them. He brings out the fact that, I'm sure, many people probably thought Micah, being a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, was unreachable and maybe too entrenched in his religious beliefs. But Micah did come to a saving faith, And even in a rare situation, while he was on his two-year mission, that's not something that happens a lot, but it certainly happened in the case of Micah Wilder. Now, Eric, in chapter 10 of your book, it's titled, Growing in the Faith, a Passionate Pursuit. You start off by citing Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we mentioned yesterday that each chapter has a chapter preview. It's kind of letting the reader know what to expect in the pages that are going to be following. You write in this chapter preview, being a Christian is not a passive experience. Instead, it is an active experience passion. To grow as a Christian, dedication to spiritual disciplines is required. For one, finding a healthy church is vital. This allows the Christian individuals, collectively called the body of Christ, to encourage and equip each other. In addition, believers need to take personal responsibility for their faith by reading and studying the Bible while following its teachings. A consistent prayer life is also important because it is the Christian's lifeline to God. All in all, living God's way will lead to a life of fulfillment and joy. What I like about what you say there is it certainly does tell the reader, and it may be in some cases the reader is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that we do believe that once we are justified— We want to live a life that gives glory and honor to the one who saved us. How many times have we had 
James 2.20 excited to us when we're in a conversation with a Latter-day Saint, especially when we bring up the idea that we're saved by grace. James 2.20 says that faith without works is dead. And the Bible very clearly teaches that's true. We agree with James. We agree with Paul, who in verse 10 of Ephesians 2 said, we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. When he prepared us to do that, he didn't intend for us to become a Christian and sit on the sideline. We're supposed to take this, what I call an act of passion, and take our Christianity to the streets to be able to live it ourselves and then to share that with other people. That's what this book is about, helping us to share what it is that we have. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want other people to have that. Well, in the first portion of this chapter, Growing in the Faith, you tell a story. And that's one thing I really like about this book, because throughout the book, you are sharing personal experiences that you have had with Latter-day Saints. This is one of those. It's at the bottom of page 221. They're pseudonyms. So I'm actually using names, but they're not the real names of the people who I actually conversed with. Correct. In this case, you talk about Hal and his wife, Jenny, who sat down in the chairs on the other side of the desk where I was sitting at the Utah Lighthouse bookstore on a fall afternoon in 2015. Now, I was sitting there as well. See, this is a story I can relate to because this is one of the rare times when you and I were both at the Utah Lighthouse bookstore at the same time. Normally, either you were there or I am there when we volunteer there on Saturdays. Oftentimes, we get into discussions with people who have either just come out of the LDS church or are struggling with their LDS faith, or maybe even struggling with their Christian faith uh, as a new believer in Christ. And so I was there, and we can't remember exactly what the reason was why we were both there together, but the fact is we were. And I remember when this couple came in and sat down. As you say on page 222, the, the couple comes in. Hal, in this story, asked the question, what should we do now? Hal asked in a forlorn manner after settling in his chair. You said, I'm not sure what you mean. He said, we have belonged to the church since we were born. What do we do now that we no longer believe Joseph Smith? The couple looked to be in their early 70s, so I was intrigued. Let me get this straight, you said. You have been members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for your entire lives, and now the two of you have decided that Joseph Smith was not a true prophet of God. And he answered, that's right. This couple was actually in their 80s. Mm. This is why I wanted to read this story. Based on what Micah Wilder says in his foreword to your book, it shows that even a couple in their 80s, God can miraculously work in the lives of this couple who have been in the church their entire life. Now, we would admit that's not something we see a lot. In fact, we have often talked about this encounter and how shocking and surprising it was actually for us to hear someone who had been in the church for that long have the questions that they had. But what was it that they brought up to us that bothered them as members of the LDS Church. Hal and his wife had read the Gospel Topics Essays, a series of articles quietly published from November 20th, 2013 through October 23, 2015. Now, originally, these are on the church website today, and they were there back in 2015, and he's at the end of the Gospel Topics Essays. He was especially bothered 
by the Book of Mormon and how it was translated using a seer stone and a hat. That had come out that year. He was bothered by the Book of Abraham. I know she was bothered by Joseph Smith's polygamy. The church admitted 30 to 40 wives that Joseph Smith had, something that had never been told to them before, and they felt deceived. They had been lied to, they said, and when they found out this information and started to look elsewhere also, they realized this information has been available for a long time, and only in 2013 to 15 did the church admit to some of these things. And once he found out that Joseph Smith was not a true prophet, the question he asked, what do I do now? What do you do with that kind of question? What do I do now? Does he stay in the church? Should we have recommended, oh, you ought to stay in the church because maybe you can help other people see what the Gospel Topics essays have? Or do we tell him, no, you shouldn't stay in the church, then where should he go? Yeah, I think that's a fair question because we do get that a lot. We certainly are not of the persuasion that a person should stay in a church that is teaching things that are contrary to what the Bible has to say. So we certainly wouldn't encourage them to do that. But you're right, they are caught in what we call the horns of a dilemma. Many times when we are talking to people who have recently left the church, they're usually younger and they're wondering, how do I tell my parents? Here's an older couple asking us, how do we tell our children? It was just flip-flopped. It was amazing. And grandchildren, and I even think they might have some great-grandchildren. So you can understand how this can be such an uncomfortable situation for a Latter-day Saint. And we've said it, said it many times on this show, we need to be extra patient with the struggling Latter-day Saint. For them to make the decision to leave the church is huge, because it's going to encounter just about everything that is about them. You know, the phrase that it's not a cult, it's a culture. We disagree with that. We think it's both. It is cultish when it comes to the doctrines of the church, but it is, in fact, a culture. And we recognize that. And it's not an easy decision for someone to leave the church because of all the ramifications that come with that decision. You're going to have family members who aren't going to understand. You may have an employer that's not going to understand. There are a lot of stumbling blocks there. One of the hard things for them to find out that Joseph Smith was not a true prophet of God is that it meant that their church was not true, and it was not a restoration as they had always believed. In this chapter, I do talk about it on page 225, The Great Apostasy. A lot of Latter-day Saints, as we mentioned in an earlier show, would say that if the church isn't true, then nothing else is. Well, that's not true. That's very inaccurate, because something else is true if Mormonism is not true. But so many people, when they leave the church, hold on to this idea of the great apostasy. So we had to talk to them about this, that leaving the church did not mean that going anywhere else was going to be an admission that you're going to a corrupt church, as Joseph Smith supposedly was told in the first vision. The great apostasy is a fraud. It's not a true doctrine. I don't know why Latter-day Saints want to hold on to that when they reject everything else about Joseph Smith. And I think Hal and Jenny understood that right away. Okay, so what do I do? How do I go to church? What do I wear? When do I genuflect? They didn't know. This is a reminder of this chapter that we have a responsibility as Christians when we go to church. If we see new people there, and especially if they came from a Mormon background, we need to help them. We need to get involved with them. Because I think the most important thing they can do is get involved with a Christian fellowship. 
it's not the complete answer. There's going to be work they have to do on their own. But I think getting involved in a church that's a God-fearing, Bible-teaching church will help them in their growth and be able to be there when they have struggles. Uh, and so we're not trying to move them from one church to another necessarily, but we want them to have a relationship with Jesus. And the New Testament teaches that meeting together as brothers and sisters in the Lord is crucial. As a parachurch ministry, Mormonism Research Ministry does not believe that what we are doing is an end product. We're trying to get you involved in a Christian church. Now, we're offering copies of this book signed by you for a gift to Mormonism Research Ministry for $100. And and we've already admitted we don't think that Eric's signature is worth $100. It's not. Okay. But certainly your donation will go towards our efforts here at MRM. That's where it's going to go. Eric is not taking any royalties off of this book. All the proceeds go right back into the ministry. But I think we should also mention you're going to be at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore. What date are you going to be there? It's going to be from 12 to 5 across the street from the Smith Ballpark. We'll have the books available. I'd love to talk to you and and talk about uh, what this book is about. Tomorrow we're going to wrap up our discussion of this book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. Pastor, could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy-to-understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm.org.